With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. Uh, Jacqueline Cantor uh, is an owner of Cantor's Restaurant uh, on Fairfax, one of the old, old delis uh, here in uh, Los Angeles. Uh, this is She's third generation. And she has a pretty good number of people that work for her. And she describes what has happened to her and particularly to employ employees, this is an emotional roller coaster, emotional whiplash. What is she talking about? Well, uh, March 15th, she calls her employees, said, I'm sorry we have to lay you off. We're furlough, uh, furloughing you. Uh, she's the third generation to run it. And then you call them back, and we're opening again. And then you call them back and say, you don't have a job anymore. And then uh, they're going to be called back. And it is not only difficult for the economy, not only is it difficult for the consumer, uh, look at what's happening to the owners of businesses and particularly the employees. Well, not particularly because you have the owners of small businesses, and this is a small business. And unless you have, unless the business owner has a good chunk of money saved away, uh, it's uh, very tough to stay working. And when you talk about small businesses, if you happen to be a small business owner or you know a small business owner, generally life savings go into creating a small business. Small business owners cannot go out and get loans. Venture capitalists aren't going to give them any money. Certainly you can't go to the bank and not have any record of a success in business. Uh, try going to a bank and say, hey, I want to open up a restaurant and I'm going to need X number of dollars to buy equipment, uh, to lose money for a number of months before I can get a clientele. Banks aren't gonna do anything for you. Well, how about going to family members? Okay, what can I do to help you? Oh, I know, I need $300,000 to open up my small business, at least. So what do you do? Well, you lose your business is what you do. And that's what's happening to, uh, I've heard as much as a third of the small businesses. And even with, and look at the problems that we have, even with California being the first state to issue its stay-at-home order this spring, and actually did well in the early uh, part of the pandemic, we were uh, in pretty good shape because of the stay-at-home order. Uh, well, we've now become uh, a state that has more cases than even New York. 420,000 known cases. And uh, on Wednesday, uh, what a record we set. 12,000 uh, new cases, 155 new deaths. Now, keep in mind, New York still has four times the number of deaths than we have, but we're not doing well. And here's the problem with the stay-at-home order. And I've been talking about a national, uh, a, a national presence, uh, complaining about the president not coming up or not be, uh, not being a national leader. But the problem is with the number of cases and where they are. For example, uh, example, Governor Newsom 
uh, is trying to give a consistent message. But you have rural areas where there either are no cases or so few that it, it's, it, it's insignificant. Do you shut those down? Do you shut the businesses down in those areas? Uh, easy to do it in Southern California. Certainly easy to do it in L.A. County. I mean, it screams for shutting down businesses and stay-at-home order and social distancing and uh, mask wearing and making it such a penalty to not wear a mask that people are going to just spin if they get tagged with $1,000 for not wearing a mask. And so you've got San Francisco, uh, Silicon Valley, L.A. People don't leave home without a mask. Uh, and then you have Huntington Beach and parts of Orange County where the residents have openly defied the mask orders, even protested against the mask. And so what do you do uh, when uh, you have a pandemic like this and there are parts of the state and parts of the country where there aren't cases? Well, do you have a national policy? I think there can be a national policy predicated on the number of cases in any given uh, geographical area, be it county, city, be it a state. And uh, there's all kinds of contradictions. Uh, Imperial County, we're talking about the southern border with Mexico. It has been ravaged. Hospitals have been overwhelmed. Patients have to be airlifted. Uh, At the north, the uh, county that is the northernmost tip of California, uh, uh, Modoc County, it's only around 9,000 people. It's an agricultural community. So we're not talking about a whole lot of people, obviously. Zero cases have ever happened in uh, Modoc County. So do you handle Modoc? And I think it's Modoc as opposed to Modoc. Yeah, I think it's Modoc. Uh, Do you still shut down Modoc? Doesn't make much sense. So even the shutdown orders uh, state by state are difficult to ascertain. And then you have uh, various people uh, in those counties. What happens And you have counties that in fact do have cases and should be shut down and you have county officials uh that just say we're the anti-mask people i mean could get elected on an anti-mask campaign so uh, this is so difficult to deal with i have said this over and over again this is not a time i would want to be a public servant Man, an elected official uh, with any say who has the pencil to actually make the decisions. It's, this is a tough, tough time. All right, so here's the question. Which works better in avoiding the virus? Uh, the mask or social distancing? And I know that both are critically important and it should be a combination of two. And I think by law... And I think there should be some fairly serious consequences. The social distancing is quite a bit harder uh, to enforce because what if you're five feet uh, as opposed to six feet? I mean, you know, come on, uh, who's going to get nailed for that? But mask wearing is a yes or a no. And so enforcing the mask, uh, that's easier. And uh, City uh, Glendale, and this could be uh, the... A city that's gone a fur, uh, the furthest in uh, enforcing mask wearing. Uh, you get tagged the first time without a mask, $400. 
Uh, if you are written up the second time, it's $1,000. The third time is $2,000. And I'm assuming after you've paid $2,000 a few times, uh, you're going to start wearing your mask. So there are actually studies. There's new research that shows that actually social distancing matters more than does a mask. And I thought it would be the other way around. And uh, this is a study uh, that looks at uh, the virus jumping from person to person in 211 key counties, about 55% of U.S. residents. This is a national study. And it's real simple. The more we avoided non-essential outings, so it's not just social distancing. It's staying at home. And that's the way to really beat it. Because even mask wearing and even social distancing, you're still out there. The way to truly beat it is to not be out there. And the further any community goes in shutdown orders, uh, the better it is in terms of the spread and controlling the spread. Here's one. Uh, When residents cut their visits to non-essential businesses in half, a single infected person transmitted the virus to 46% fewer people, about half. And that just is logical than in a county where business proceeded as usual. And we know there's a direct correlation now between opening up business, and you've heard that, too soon, too soon, too soon. Uh, Even the most conservative governors who have pushed very hard to open business as soon as possible are now saying, we've opened up business too quickly. in the journal of uh, the American Medical Association, this study that was done uh, calculated transmission levels in counties uh, of at least 100,000 residents. And what they did is, I'm not going to go into how they did it, cell phone data, et cetera, but it's, it's pretty specific. And the researchers assumed that a single particle after someone sneezed is transmittable obviously as a uh, a carrier of uh, COVID. Now we're talking about a single particle, right? We're not talking about a whole lot, just a little tiny bit. And we know that the longer people are with people, the bigger the chance. We know that wearing a mask reduces the chances of uh, infection, transmission. We know that social distancing does. But what is the ultimate social distancing where you don't have to wear a mask? And that is staying at home. Everybody that I know, uh, and I know people who uh, have had COVID. I mean, I get phone calls saying, oh, you know what? George has COVID. Now, no one has been violently ill that I know. Uh, Some have merely tested positive and I was told about it. Some have uh, some minor uh, symptoms, a little fluish, uh, that sort of thing, uh, have tested positive. No one I know who uh, has stayed at home and truly self-quarantine has come close to getting it. My partner, Karen, when this thing first broke, you talk about self-quarantine. No one left the house, and she has three kids. No one left the house. All food was delivered to the house, uh, put on the front porch, or the open garage, sprayed down with uh, Lysol, uh, waited a few days, 
whatever at that time the theory was uh, how long the virus can stay on a box or a bag and took it to an extreme. Gloves, all of it. No issue. People who do that are certainly not going to get the virus or transmit it. Now, she's in a different place. She can work at home and does, and her husband works at home. And uh, so they haven't been affected at all. So it's easy to say for people like that. People that work in restaurants and hotels, well, they don't have to worry. They're just out of work, right? So here is the message. And this is contrary to what I thought. Mask wearing doesn't do the same job as social distancing. I guess it's logical when you think about it. And the more social distancing you do, I, when I go out for a walk, I don't wear a mask. But I make damn sure that if I see anybody, I go out to the street and I stay at least 40, 50 feet away from anybody. And uh, that's, you just have to be careful. I mean, there's no way around it. All right. And with that, let me move over to what's going on in the workplace. All right. Here in California, particularly in uh, L.A. County, hospitalizations, deaths hitting new records. And so officials are pushing for greater enforcement of workplace safety rules. All right. There's a, a world to that. So the case has exploded uh, beginning in June as the state started reopening, rapidly reopening the economy, people went back to summer routines, parties, social gatherings, going to the beach, that sort of thing. And it has become crystal clear that that, was, that opening was way too soon because there is a direct correlation, and doesn't take a genius to figure that out, as people come back together and they're in tight quarters, uh, in closed spaces, particularly bars, uh, and uh, they're partying, and they're there for hours with each other. Obviously, it's a perfect Petri dish for uh, the virus and the spread. All right. Now, uh, it's kind of easy for those of us, I just said in the last segment, who work at home and who can self-quarantine. But then again, what do you do with uh, people that uh, have to go to work and go to work in places where uh, they're just jammed together? And Latinos, for the most part, have those jobs more than any other group. And Latinos in L.A. County, more than twice as likely to get sick. And that's doing essential work. Processing plants, manufacturing facilities such as garment factories, L.A. Apparel, Uh, The worst outbreak in the county, more than 300 of the 1,800 employees tested positive. Look at that for a statistic. Four of them have died. So county officials uh, have unveiled a tiered enforcement plan to cite and fine businesses that violate, but not going nearly far enough. A lot of these are recommendations, and they're not nailing Uh, businesses that violate uh, the enforcement orders or the uh, social distancing orders or the mask orders, uh, which is hard to do at a, at a, uh, uh, at a restaurant. Uh, But it's, that's easily enforced. 
And it doesn't take a whole enforcement team. No one has to be trained like a county health inspector. I mean, you've got people that simply go out with a tape measure. How far apart are the tables? You have people that simply go out with, uh, just take pictures of people without masks walking into the restaurant and only sitting down at a table and then you can take the mask off. I mean, there are ways of lessening the risk. Uh, it, what happened in San Diego uh, this week, uh, a safe, uh, this is what they called, uh, safe reopening compliance team uh, is getting out there to pursue public complaints of health order violations. Uh, safe reopening c- compliance team, I think that's Cirque. It's like Cirque de Soleil, I guess. Uh, and here's the problem. Uh, San Diego County Supervisor Greg Kotsk said, this is going to be a carrot approach, not the stick approach. We're going to ask people, and we're not going to really nail these businesses. And uh, the fines are relatively low until there's violation after violation. Well, at what point do you've crossed the line? How many people have to die going to enclosed spaces before you get serious? Same thing with the masks. How many people have to die? Well, in Glendale, they're getting very serious. And they're saying, if you don't wear a mask, it's going to cost you big time. I would continue on second or third violation is not just a civil fine. I would go right into criminality, but then that's me. I'm kind of a nutcase when it comes to uh, public safety. But then again, uh, I work in a place where... It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Uh, uh, social distancing is easy to do. I can be in one room. My co-workers are in another room and we can be 40 feet apart from each other and everybody wears masks. So it's easy for me to say. What do you do though in businesses in which is very difficult? Do you shut down processing plants? Do you simply say, that's it. We're done with uh, chickens. We're done with beef. At least for the foreseeable future. Of course you can't. So there's two approaches. And that is, uh, you do the carrot approach. Ah, come on, it's really important. Here's a warning. Or do you go out there and say, we're not screwing around. We're going to nail you if you don't uh, comply with our orders. Okay, those are the choices. And uh, you know, and maybe there's a hybrid. Uh, although uh, I tend to get hyperbolic, I tend to go one way. Gee, really, Bill? Uh, I never knew you uh, to be a middle of the road guy when it comes to this sort of stuff. I don't think we have a choice. I really don't. And uh, it's uh, as Fauci has said, it's going to get worse before it gets better. As the president has admitted, finally, it's going to get worse before it gets better. Now that. We really don't have a remedy or a vaccine yet uh, that can deal with the virus. I mean, we're looking at some really good news coming out of these major pharmaceutical companies. 
with a potential vaccine, actually four or five of them, and uh, one or two have to work. Well, they actually all initially work, and it's just a question of efficacy. It's a question of how safe they are, and uh, a lot of them are in third-stage trial, which is just prior to the FDA approving them, which is on a fast track. So what do people do? Because there's nothing out there. Well, uh, how about hydroxychloroquine, which the president said was a game changer, which turns out to be zero. Uh, How about other, uh, well, Clorox. I mean, that's my favorite one, injecting uh, some kind of a, I guess, chlorine-based disinfectant because it works on surfaces. But he's not alone. Incidentally, he's come back from that, obviously. Um, but you have all over the, uh, especially, especially Latin America, uh, these uh, dubious, outright fraudulent claims, unproven treatment. And, uh, you know, for example, the government of Peru uh, bought Invertamectin uh, to fight the pandemic. It is a drug that's used and it treats intestinal worms. Here's the problem. Uh the virus is not an intestinal worm. And so the government has bought a pile of it, has continued to promote it, even after the World Health Organization says it is a crock. None of it makes sense. Uh, governments in El Salvador, Peru, Paraguay, governments now have bought hydroxychloroquine to treat it. Uh, it doesn't lessen the chance of infection. The only effect it will have, it is... Uh, a um, it's actually negative it heart causes heart problems um uh venezuela uh maduro's government uh which doesn't even have running water and soap that can provide to hospitals uh has obtained from cuba tens of thousands of doses of interferon alpha 2b alpha 2b used against viruses cancers uh the problem is is that it doesn't do anything either. Incidentally, you go to a government clinic, now they require patients with the virus to take the drug that does nothing. That's the problem. Uh, Ecuador's Congress discussed to, uh, whether to allow chlorine dioxide and 10 Roman Catholic bishops have said yes. Well, it's been marketed without official approval Uh, as a cure for both ailments, uh, all kinds, AIDS to autism. uh, And not only does it have no medical effect, it has potentially lethal effects. And so what we're doing is we're seeing not just the scammers who go on the internet, I've got the cure, Uh, look what's going to happen, just send me money. We're talking about entire governments who are so desperate because not only do they have the virus, which you watch is going to really go rampant in those countries. We haven't seen how far and how deep their problem is going to go and why. They don't have the same medical facilities that we do. At this point, even though hospitals are overwhelmed, uh, for example, in Florida, and they've run out of ICU space, I mean, just done. I think 15% now of the hospitals in Florida simply don't have enough beds. There isn't a patient who doesn't go to an ICU because they airlift them because they transport them. Uh, Nobody has been turned away that didn't have access to an ICU bed that I know of in this country. Go to South America, Mexico, where people with symptoms line up outside the gates of a hospital which are shut and you see video after video. There's just no room, no thanks. 
we can take X number of patients and we have 10 times that many lined up and we're not going to take, take them. We don't have the facility. So I think while we have a good chance of flattening the curve here, depending on how aggressively move, we move against businesses and individuals that don't do social distancing, that don't do mask wearing, uh, the more shutdown orders, we have the medical facilities. They don't. And so it makes sense that you are going to see uh, these quack remedies, uh, including what the president pushed, hydroxychloroquine. It's a crack. Re- it's a it's a quack remedy. Uh, injecting some kind of disinfectant. Now, granted, he wasn't pushing for that. That one he was not. He was simply uh, turning to his medical experts, uh, Dr. Burke specifically. And saying, maybe we can do this. And she was spitting. Couldn't even look at him. Just look down uh, and uh, what, are you, what are you saying? So that wasn't a pitching of a particular remedy. Hydroxychloroquine was. He called it a game changer. It's not. All right. Uh, the issue of Florida and uh, the federal police. And uh, yesterday we uh, talked to Brian Suits, who uh, defended the police and the president uh, in that uh, the federal police were, uh, in fact, uh, defending federal property, which they're absolutely entitled to do. And as uh, the federal courthouse and uh, federal office buildings are being attacked, uh, the police come out, the federal police come out, and uh, they deal with it. And I don't think many people have a problem with that because we're talking about arsonists at that point. We're talking about vandals at that point who are attacking the building. The issue becomes how far away they were and were the police involved in any of the protests or demonstrations blocks away. And I have not gotten the figure yet of how many blocks, and I don't even know where the line is. Uh, as to when the federal police should get involved. The other question is accountability, and that seems to be a big one, and I really don't understand that. And that is that the federal officers came onto the scene, uh, and they were in camouflage. I mean, they were in riot gear. They were in paramilitary gear. There's no question about it, as are the police, as are the riot police. And... The argument is, the accusation is, you didn't identify yourselves as federal officers. They did identify themselves as police. Matter of fact, the word police in big block white lettering is on the back of uh, their uniforms. Much like whenever you see FBI agents uh, issuing a warrant or breaking in or defending themselves or being called out to a shooting or whatever. Uh, They have the windbreakers that say FBI on the back or ATF agents say ATF on the back. And the accusation is all you federal officers did was say or have police. Okay, now what? Is it really important that people know that, oh, that is not a police officer, it's not a federal police officer, uh, it's an ATF agent or it's the FBI, and I don't know how that makes a lot of sense, other than uh, who should or should not be there. So in the middle of these demonstrations, and you're talking about protesters moving up, you're talking about real crime being committed, for example, against federal buildings, it's really important for people to know 
that you should do a lot more than just put police on the back of your uniform. Now, later on, uh, it may be important to know where and how far the police went, but that's not hard to figure out either. You've got more video you know what to do with, and uh, certainly the accusation can be hurled at uh, the federal police saying, hey, you had no business arresting, you had no business encountering protesters three blocks away because there was no risk to the federal building. Again, we don't know, or at least I don't know, how close they were. I cannot get a figure. I've looked at various stories, and I'm saying they were right on top of it. Yesterday, Brian Suit said they were kitty-cornered and protecting federal property. I've read a couple of articles that say they were three blocks away, but that's something to be investigated later. And if the federal police uh, exceeded their authority in uh, not just protecting federal property but going beyond that, truly that is something to deal with. I just don't get why the issue of, uh, well, that's not enough to put police on the back of your uniform. We have to know exactly what kind of police you are. Figure that one out. And then the other issue is an accountability issue. And here is a weird argument. What the police, the federal police did was pick up these, uh, they made a bunch of arrests, and then they just let these people go once they were put into uh, into the police station or whatever center they were using as uh, a confinement center. And local police were doing the same thing. And the argument is is that once someone is let go and not even arrested in the case of local police, uh, then they can't come back and sue for a violation of being arrested, of not being given their rights, because they're let go. And for some reason, you've got some civil libertarians saying uh, that's not good because that reduces accountability. I mean, there's some pretty lame arguments that are being made out there. There really are. Uh, And I have no problem arguing uh, or looking at excessive police force. No issue whatsoever. Uh, It happens. Uh, It doesn't happen as often as protesters say it happens. Uh, It happens more than uh, the police and the pro-police say it happens. But, you know, are we now diving into the weeds when there's a much bigger story? I think so. Let's move to the LAPD for a moment. Interesting conversation that uh, the L.A. police chief, uh, Michael Moore, had with uh, actually officers from the Metropolitan Division. And they call it the elite division. Uh, and the Metropolitan Division is, uh, well, it actually is elite. And uh, what it does, well, SWAT teams are part of uh, the Metropolitan Desi- uh, Division. Uh, the targeted enforcement teams are part of Metro. Uh, the mounted uh, police are part of Metro. The canine uh, division is part of uh, Metro. And they have a brand new one in which very short, small cops mount very large dogs, and that's the mounted canine uh, division. No, I read that wrong. So what the police chief has done is sat down with Metro and said, show your relevance. That's new. And effectively what he's saying is show your relevance and show how valuable you are to the community. 
And I don't quite know how a SWAT team member says, oh, yeah, we're valuable to the community. That certainly needs uh, more community policing. That certainly needs more social workers. That certainly needs uh, more involvement in uh, those that uh, are treated badly by the police or the perception that the police are overreaching and uh, engage in excessive police force. Uh, Don't treat people with dignity and respect. The SWAT team. How does that work? Now, mounted police, uh, the K-9 division, I can see that there are issues. Certainly the targeted law enforcement, uh, the targeted teams. We're talking about gang teams uh, that go out and deal with uh, either gang members or purported gang members. That I can see. So what the chief is effectively doing is asking the police officers and uh, various divisions, show how you help us and the community, and you report to me. And it's almost like business. I don't know if you've ever been uh, in a corporation or a small business where the CEO or the owner of the business hauls you in. I've been there before and says, okay, let show us how valuable you are to this uh, company. I want you to prove it. And it happens all the time. With sales, it's easy. Because all you have to do is say, hey, here's how much money I made. Uh, With management, it's more difficult. With middle management, it's more difficult. With administration, it's more difficult. And to ask uh, a police officer or a captain or a division leader or a lieutenant to say, uh, to come up with, how are you relevant? Well, that's a whole new world. And maybe that's part of policing now, where not only reports have to be made as to how many arrests are involved, uh, how many traffic tickets were given, how many shootings happened. It's also, uh, at the end of the day, what did you do to engage in community policing? What did you do to have the citizens of this city trust you more? And that's a spin we haven't heard of before. And I got to tell you, uh, that could be a game changer, not only in terms of expanding the police to go more into social work or taking social work and moving it more into policing and somehow have a, uh, a more effective partnership, a deeper partnership, but also asking the police to say, okay, uh, last week, what did you do? It's almost like uh, paying forward, paying kindness forward kind of thing. And uh, that's an interesting concept. I must tell you, I'm going, okay, you know what? That makes sense. It's the world. It's a, it's a world. It's a new world of thinking about the police. And uh, I really don't have a problem with that. I mean, I don't want to spend too much time on paperwork. You know, I don't want these cops uh, spending three hours uh, every week coming up with uh, reasons why they're so relevant. But uh, as a concept, ain't bad. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Welcome to Mo on the Movies. Oh, Red. Don't be ridiculous, darling. It's Mo on the Movies. Kiss me. Not a chance. And uh, welcome to KFI AM 640. Bill Handel here. It is a Friday, July the 24th. Mo uh, Kelly is with us, filling in for Wayne today, and I thought I'd bring him in because Mo is uh, really an expert when it comes to the entertainment industry. And uh, it's been decimated, as we all know, and particularly here, even Burbank. I mean, where the studios, within a mile of uh, our studios here at KFI, you've got Warner Brothers, you have Disney, you have the Burbank Studios, plus all of the ancillary services. You cannot drive up and down any of the side streets without seeing sound effects uh, studios, special effects studios, I mean, it's crazy how important the industry is both to us and Burbank is probably the hardest hit single city of any city in the world when it comes to entertainment industry. So, Mo, uh, I'm going to throw it to you and let's talk about the effect that the virus has had. The easiest way to describe it and for people to understand it, if this was more like a, if this were like a supply chain or for like food or a grocery store, you have the supply side where the the components of production, the the meat growers or or the the farmers, they're out of business as far as Hollywood production. Production has come to a standstill, and then the di- distribution agents such as grocery stores, in this case movie theaters, they're out of business. So. Everything is shut down in Hollywood. Everything, movies, TV, music. Now, there are smaller productions might have been in post-production. They've already uh, finished their filming. But after that, there's really not much that's new that's going to be coming down the pike. It has to be already done or it's not going to be completed for the foreseeable future. And it it, be, it was really crazy because it affects Southern California. And it's a major industry. We're talking about a multi-billion dollar industry. And the people that are out of work, and it is simply devastating. Uh, not only the film industry and the television industry and the commercials uh, that go on, but uh, all of the, uh, the concerts, uh, the K-pop concerts. Why anybody would ever go to a K-pop concert? Explain that to me, would you, Mo? Uh, I can't. That's about 20 years <laughs> younger than me. <laughs> That's not even no, no. I understand uh, that we never would, but how anybody does is well, oh, anybody. <laughs> yes, but you know, I, South the, by Southwest, uh, which is one of the the biggest um, concert venues. Uh, it's outside because it you know it's a whole city. But Coachella, all have been canceled. Don't and, forget Comic Con is oh, going yeah. on this week. Would I mean, have been in person but they're doing it virtually this year. But that's 150,000 people walking around San Diego. Yeah, can you imagine uh, how many people that uh, that are not going the convention business? Las Vegas is wiped out. I mean, Las Vegas, the hotel, because it's all hotels uh, and it's all gaming, uh, the entire city. And uh, they've been affected horrifically. Cannes Film Festival, 
right? Delayed, and there aren't any really good films out there. No, the whole festival circuit is shut down. And for people who don't know, you would go to these different film festivals to look for film distribution. If you have a, a small movie and you can't get it into theaters, you would go to this film festival and hopefully it'll be purchased by one of the big studios and then distributed. That's gone now. Yeah, big changes. Warner Brothers, uh, its release plans, uh, The Batman, The Batman, uh, you know, zillion dollar film uh, delayed its release. Uh, the Many Saints of, ne uh, of Newark, a prequel to The Sopranos, uh, the DC titles, which are just unbelievably big, shifted their dates. Shazam 2, uh, I didn't even see Shazam 1, strangely enough, uh, that's been moved. The Flash uh, has been moved uh, to uh, two years from now. Yeah. Uh, even what uh, even the porno industry, which, uh, you know, takes off and does parodies of uh, various movies. I, I know you know this, for example, uh, they have uh, a movie instead of The Flash, The Flesh. And even yeah. th that segment uh, has been wiped out. And when and when the no 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 and when the porno industry is gone, you know you're in trouble, right? <laughs> I know you think they would be willing to risk it, but they were not even going to risk it for this. Uh, yeah, they're more afraid of this <laughs> than they are of <laughs> STDs and AIDS or whatever. Um, it is uh, Disneyland. I mean, everybody in the entertainment industry, uh, all the theme parks. If you look at. Uh, the effect on this economy with everybody just in the hospitality restaurant industry. I mean, uh, how big is that when you think of that uh, in the United States? I think it's going to fundamentally change our conception of entertainment and how we're willing to be entertained. Part of the reason why a lot of these movies have been pushed back indefinitely, the model was you'd have a movie come out and it would be distributed in theaters and they would share the profits with the theaters. Those contracts were written long in advance when they had those release dates. A lot of these movies and production companies are trying to adhere to those release dates or the agreements with the movie theaters so they can keep the movie theaters in business. But now we're at a point where you, we're used to downloading movies and we're willing to watch movies at home. So the future of movie theaters altogether are in doubt whether the uh, we get past this pandemic or not. People are not going to rush back into a movie theater. Hey, let me ask this, uh, Mo, uh, of all the people that would know, I think you would. And that is uh, the various film companies are being forced to release their films uh, via video, or actually streaming, of course. Uh, and they're charging nineteen ninety five for a rental for 24 hours. Can they, do they do better doing that than just releasing it in the theaters? If it weren't for the pandemic, I would say no. But now... So many people are used to spending that money for a digital download. We're more comfortable as an aggregate paying, let's say, because you're going to pay uh, $20 for one ticket, depending on which theater you go to, to see a movie. And now our home systems and home um, entertainment centers, it makes it a very good experience and you don't have to worry about COVID-19. Now we're at a point, there are some major titles. Netflix is doing a major movie with Jamie Foxx, a superhero movie, which is coming next month in August. People are now ready for these cinema-style, cinema-level movies released directly to the home consumer as opposed to the, the cinema. So this is where all this is moving regardless. So yes, to answer your question, it's going that way. That way, we're almost there. Uh, and it could be that, and it's, it is a better experience because today the screens are huge, the sound systems are extraordinary. 
Uh, you can pause the film and go pee, which you yes. can't do in a movie theater. Uh, you can, you know, put in the you know, microwave popcorn that costs you eighty cents. Costs less, uh, yes. Well, yeah. If you get it at Costco, the big bag of Costco, uh, then you're, you're home free. And so, I would rather see a movie uh, at home. And um, there are some Netflix just came out with a Greyhound, uh, Tom Hanks. Yes, uh, mm-hmm. which is which is not that good. Uh, I must tell you, uh, I've seen. Much but it's better. okay if you're watching it on Netflix as opposed to spending. on tickets and food. That's right, because it effectively is free. And uh, you're right, it's going to be a very, very different world uh, as technology, although I don't know how much better technology is going to be with televisions because they're now super thin, super big, and they cost four cents. All right, Mo, thank you much. KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.